Thank you, Miss Suzanne. And I probably just make a comment that if that doesn't stir your heart to worship, maybe you check your pulse. Um, just a great reminder, and I think we will echo in our study of God's Word this morning uh, exactly that that same sentiment. So I just thank you for sharing uh, through the gift of of song. I. Um, We'll, we'll start with a word of prayer as we lean in and just express our dependency upon God as we look into his word that he uh, speak to us and that we have the ability to hear. So let's pray together and then we will jump in. Father, you are so good. We worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, we pray that as we are together this morning and as we dive into to your word and as we talk about the things that you are doing throughout the earth, that you would be honored, that you would be glorified, that the Lord Jesus would be lifted up, and that men might be drawn unto you, those who believe and those who are yet to believe. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name, amen. So it's a, a, a privilege uh, to be with you today and to represent uh, the IMB. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I, I've, I've been excited since I had the opportunity to, to sit down with Pastor Sean uh, over a meal and just uh, talk about his ministry, about your church. And um, just the encouragement that I garnered uh, from your faithfulness to be involved in the things of God, both in this community and throughout the world. Um, before I, I jump in officially, I, I think it's appropriate uh, that I begin with a personal thank you. Um, a thank you that is tied to your participation in the cooperative program and in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, it was actually during a missions conference that um, the Lord began to stir a fire in us for missions, for the nations. And, and we're going to be talking about the nations. And, and that fire was lit by a Southern Baptist missionary who had been serving overseas and that had come to share what God had been doing. And it was through that testimony and the, the communication of, of how God had impacted him to go to the nations. Um, and behind that was the support of Southern Baptists like you. So both directly and indirectly, we have been recipients of the grace of God and the goodness of Southern Baptists to, to be supportive of uh, the gospel getting to the nations. So I, I just want to thank you for that. You, you see, I, I wasn't um, raised Baptist. Um, I, I was born Presbyterian. I was raised Methodist. And it wasn't until I bumped into a little Southern Belle at college uh, who was Southern Baptist uh, that introduced me to a different uh, way of life and uh, the place that, that I received discipleship and ultimately, again, through your giving, that we were able to pursue a theological education, one that I needed. Um, 
because my background, I, I don't know if you would call it weak or you would call it lacking, but certainly um, my years at Southeastern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary was um, such a blessing and a time of growth uh, for me. And, and beyond that, my family, my kids uh, have been overseas, um, had the opportunity to serve, as uh, your pastor alluded to, uh, for almost two decades, and now are in a role here in Richmond. That's because, in part, of your faithfulness. And I am grateful for it. And I want to communicate directly to you from me and from my family that um, you have blessed us in so many ways through your faithfulness. So uh, before we read our passage this morning, uh, I want to take you back to the mid-1990s. And I might have to get my glasses or or we'll have a a hard time here. And, And let me not fail to pray for us, all right? Let's pray together. Father... As we dive in, bless the reading of your word. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. All right, so um, we go back to the mid-1990s, and it was our first term on the field. We were immersed in a new culture. We were learning language uh, on a local college campus, surrounded by young Asian students who were excited by our presence, but quite timid to initiate conversation. Their English was shaky. And our language abilities, to be very honest, were just beginning to be birthed. Um, Nevertheless, God brought some into our lives uh, that we were able to communicate with, and they were able to communicate with us in those early days And we forged lasting relationships uh, with those folks. One young lady in particular expressed a real interest in spiritual things. And as I recall, she wanted to spend time with us. When we talked about the gospel and about spiritual things, she listened intently and asked questions. And as things came together in her heart and in her mind, She shared the following with us. From the time I was a little girl, I could not totally believe what I was being taught. I knew in my heart that there was something more than my parents and teachers were telling me. It seemed to me that there was someone or something greater, but I just did not know what it was. You see, the young woman had grown up in a country with an atheistic worldview, a system that told her over and over again that there is no God. Her parents and her teachers reinforced this message day in and day out, yet she always believed there was something more. She was just waiting to hear the gospel. And when she did, she believed. It's Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That was my introduction to Revelation 7-9. The nations and the peoples and the tribes and the tongues. This is where it really became real to me and not just printed words on a page. So I want you to to take your Bibles and and that may be a, a 
a hard copy Bible, it may be a, a digital Bible, and I'm going to ask you to turn, open your Bibles to Revelation 7, and we're going to begin reading in verse 9. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb." And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in white robes, Who are they, and where have they come from? I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will no longer, they will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Quickly, I want us to notice four things in the picture that the Apostle John paints for us here in Revelation 7. The first is the powerful presence of God. Second, we'll look at the precious promise of God. Third, the propitiation provided by God and the praise and worship of God. First, the powerful presence of God. So, so why powerful? Why, why that descriptor? Well, you know, I know, God's God. He is supremely powerful. He's the creator of the universe. The one who spoke the world into existence out of nothing but his words. Jesus the one we heard sung about this morning, the one who conquered sin and death and the grave. That's power. Verse 16 and 17 says, he will provide and protect as our shepherd. He has the power to provide those protections to wipe away the tears from our eyes forever. And of course, there's a throne. A throne, even in our earthly um, dwelling, communicates power and sovereignty. It's, it's projected in the, in, the, in the countries, in the places that have kings and queens, even today. They sit on their throne, and it projects power. And here we see in verse 9, 
They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. In verse 10, to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In verse 11, angels standing around the throne worshiping God. In verse 15, he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. And finally, in verse 16 and 17, it says the lamb in the center of the throne provides and protects. This is prominent in this passage, the the throne of God. It's the powerful presence of God. Secondly, the precious promise of God. And why do I call it precious? Well, when when something's precious, what what do we tend to want to do? We we tend to want to to pull it in close to us, right? Uh, Think of a a newborn babe or a a little child. We, we, We pull them in closely. They're they're precious to us. I uh I'll, I'll confess, I, I like the, the, the movie series, The Lord of the Rings, but like my boys, my three boys who are now all in their 20s, um, like they love The Lord of the Rings. And I, I don't know how many of you have seen it, but within the, the, the movie, there's a storyline primarily around a ring, uh, a, a powerful ring, a ring that they say rules all. All, all things. If, if you have this ring, it, um, it, like, you've got it all, basically. And the ring is referred to in the movie as the precious. It's, it's something that um, some, in particular, wanted to possess and to hold tight. And I would suggest that the promise that God has revealed to us in Revelation uh, seven nine is a promise that we must hold on to a precious promise. Our country, our world presents many challenges and trials and persecution. No doubt, even here in Richmond, you are keenly aware that the world is opposed to the things of God. In fact, the world is becoming more and more hostile to the things of God. They are not coming closer to those things. They are rejecting and pushing those things aside. And the enemy of God prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The precious promise is this, and we must hold it, that God is bringing a multitude from every nation, all peoples, tribes, and tongues. He will bring them. So who is this multitude of the precious promise? In the scriptures, it's called a great multitude which no one could count. Now, let's be honest. We have no idea what all God is doing in and around the world. We see wonderful, awesome things, both great. There are some places uh, in the world, in, in South Asia, in Southeast Asia, in other parts of the world, where thousands are coming to faith in Christ. 
And there are small things that are happening where one person here and one person there are coming to faith. There are beginnings, in particular, in a Middle Eastern people group that has never had a believer for all time. The first who has come to faith. The first among this people group. And there are partnerships. Partnerships like one in the Philippines where five or six Baptist conventions have come together to say, we as Filipinos are going to send missionaries to the nations. That's what's happening. That's what God's doing. Here, it seems to me that God is showing John and us the scope of the work he's doing. And it's a work that can't be quantified. Like you can't put a number on it. Not only could John not count the multitude, no one could count the multitude. God is doing big things. Now, where's this multitude coming from? They're coming, according to the scriptures, from every and all. Not not some or many. They're coming from every people and all tribes, tongues, peoples. It's exactly what Jesus spoke of in Matthew 28. You know it in the Great Commission. Matthew 28 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and as you are going, make disciples of all nations. And what he uses there is the word ethne, meaning all ethnic groups, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in our passage, he mentions tribes. I want to share with you a story from a village tribe. Stephen and Aaron minister in a region where tribal warfare is ongoing in the everyday lives of their people group. Civil unrest is on the rise and it is creating tremendous hardship for these peoples. But the good news is entering homes and hearts. One of these hearts is a woman who goes by the name of Mama. Bible stories were being told in Mama's village. And when she heard them, She told her family this, there might be something to this living God that they're talking about. Now, she didn't believe at the moment, but she understood that they were talking and sharing about a living God. One day, mama's daughter came with disastrous news. Their pig had died. In this area of the world, a pig can be sold for the equivalent of two or three months of income. We might not see that as a disaster, but for these peoples in this tribal village, it's tremendous impact to think that you would be without two to three months of income. 
Is there anything this living God can do? Her daughter asked. And Mama, an unbeliever, marched down to the pig pen where a crowd had gathered from the village and didn't know what to do. They had no answers. Stephen explains this way. She just crawled into the pig pen and got down on her knees and said, God, if you're real, then show these people that you're real. And while she was praying, the dead pig stood up. Mama believed and was baptized. And today shares the gospel of Christ with villagers in her tribe. From among deaf peoples, there's a story that comes from the islands. Naomi is a deaf woman living in a majority Muslim country. Her husband died, leaving her to care for her daughter alone. Encountering the word of God through the work of our folks in a Bible translation project, she feared for her safety if she became a follower of Christ. COVID had impacted this country tremendously, greatly, and Naomi lost her job in the city. She was forced to return to the, her family's island where she spent time watching videos that had been produced by our team of the Bible and Bible stories in her native sign language. There on her remote island, through the testimony of these videos in her heart language, she gave her life to God. From among the tribes and among the peoples, God is calling people out. Our emphasis as an organization, our effort is toward the every and the all. Our aim as Southern Baptists toward the every and the all can be no less. It can be no less. The heavenly vision is not yet fulfilled. You see, there are 8 billion people, almost 8 billion people on our planet. More lost people on the planet Earth today than any other day in all of history. Billions upon billions who are lost without Christ. 100 55,473 dying without Christ every single day. Not people who are dying, lost people who are dying. That's almost two people per second. Two people. In that somewhat uncomfortable five-second pause, nine people have crossed over into eternity without Christ. To put that into perspective, in less than two minutes, an equivalent to the number of people sitting in this building have entered Christless eternity. The population of Hanover County, where I live, will die without Christ in less than 24 hours. This is happening every single day.
our organization has almost 12,000 people groups listed. And through our work, Southern Baptists are engaging somewhere around 1,200 people groups. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that you're giving and others with you are impacting the nations. But there are still over 7,000 of these 12,000 people groups who are unreached. Now, what does, that, what does that mean? What does unreached mean? It means there are less than 2% evangelical believers. There is little or no indigenous church among these. And within this group of 7,000, uh, there's a group of around 3,000 people groups that are classified and called the unengaged, unreached people groups. That word engage, unengaged, tacked on. No one we're aware of are currently taking the gospel to these almost 3,000 people groups. We're not going to reach every and all alone. With God's help, we, you and me, our field workers, Great Commission partners, national believers must continue to pursue the heavenly vision of every and all. Every nation, all peoples, tribes, and tongues will be standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. It's a precious promise you can count on. It's not it might happen. It's not it could happen. This will be. Amen? So why will this be? How will it be? It will be through the propitiation provided by the Lamb of God. And what, what do I mean by that? The, the provided propitiation. Because the multitudes were helpless and hopeless. They're not unlike you and I before we came to know Christ. We were helpless we were hopeless. We were in need of a Savior. They could do nothing in and of themselves to satisfy the wrath of God and at the same time establish a relationship with Him. That's what it means. That's what's been provided. They were sheep without a shepherd. What does that provision look like? The Word of God says they are standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, like, I don't expect in, in my own mind for them to be standing. Like, I expect them to be on their faces before a holy God. Um, I don't expect them to be standing I don't know if you remember back, um, if you're in, in my age bracket, um, Mercy Me sang a song, I Can Only Imagine. And within that song, there, there's one part that says, will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? And, and I just confess to you guys, like, in my mind, I've always answered that question with, to my knees will I fall? Um, 
maybe I've been a little off. I, I think there will be a time for, that we will be face down before God. Yet, if you flip back just a, a, a page, I, I think this question that I have in this wrestling about standing before the throne of God, um, we, we actually see those who resonate with that question. And uh, you, you can flip back a page or uh, scroll back um, on, on your device and look at the sixth terror that John was shown in chap- at the end of chapter 6 of the Revelation. He describes this terror that's unfolding and this, like the stars are falling from the sky and the, the sky's ripped apart. The, the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And their preference was that the mountain would just fall on them and crush them. Because they did not desire to face the wrath to come. And in verse 17 they say, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? The answer is found in, flip back to chapter 7, verse 13 in our passage. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they and where have they come? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Beyond all imagination and expectation, they stand, they stand before the throne of God because they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb allows them to stand in the presence of God. For this reason and this reason alone, they are before the throne of God because of what Christ has done in satisfying the wrath of God and reconciling this multitude to himself. Through the blood of the Lamb, they can stand. The result of all of this is praise and worship. Praise by those who are standing. In verse 9, And verse 10, it it says, and palm branches were in their hands. They're, They're waving and worshiping, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The multitudes are worshiping. They're praising God and the Lamb. It's not only the multitudes. It's the angels in heaven who are praising and worshiping our God. In verse 11 and 12, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
So what's all this mean for us today? How do we take what we see and apply it? Not simply leave it behind, being unchanged by the word. Number one, I would suggest that we rest. Rest not cease from our labor and good works, but cease from worry. Be comforted and at peace in the absolute reality that our God is seated on the throne. It's not just any throne. It's certainly not an earthly throne. It is the throne of heaven. He is all-powerful. He is sovereign. He is bringing to himself a multitude that no one could count. The efforts of the enemy will not thwart the multitude's coming to Christ. Second, I would challenge you to burn this passage, the picture and the precious promise of the multitudes in your heart and mind. Carry it home with you today. Carry it with you to work tomorrow. Carry it with you to the grocery. Carry it with you to Chick-fil-A. Now you can't do that today, but you can do that tomorrow. Um, Carry it when you go to get gas. Let the fact that God is bringing a multitude to faith encourage your spirit and your heart and your mind. Can you see them? Can you see them? They're your family. They're your friends. They're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. They're the Asians and the Middle Easterners. They're the South Americans that God has brought to your neighborhood and mine. See them through the lens of the multitude. See them through the lens of Revelation 7-9. I'm going to say it one more time. After these things I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all the tribes, peoples, and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. Hold on to the precious promise that the multitudes will come. Third, remember, Jesus has done everything necessary for salvation. I can see grace. The Asian sister that I told you about when we first landed on the field, who being told that there was no God, knew in her heart that it was otherwise. I see her standing in that great day as one of the multitude. I see Mama, a tribal woman, standing next to Grace, worshiping our Lord. I see Naomi, a lady from deaf, from among the deaf peoples, who has believed on Christ and had her robes washed white as snow. 
standing among the multitudes and before the Lamb. What a sight. What a sight. We are partnering together to reach the nations, the peoples, the tribes, and tongues, and we must continue to do so. Who, in your influence, your sphere of influence, needs to hear the gospel? Who is it that needs to be reconciled to God through Christ? Who's waiting? Who might be part of that heavenly multitude standing before the throne of God? Who's waiting for you to share about Christ? Just as I encouraged our newest field workers, which just uh, this past week, we as Southern Baptists are sending out 89 more to go to the nations. You're a part of that sending. Just as I encourage them, I want to encourage you to give those around you the good news. Let the gospel flow from your mouth to their ears. This is Romans 10 again. It's hearing. Faith comes by hearing. With faith. Give it to them with faith that God will do great things right where you are as well. Fourth and finally, let's worship and praise the Lord often. We join the multitudes and the angels in praising God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I want to just leave a, a final word from your field workers those that God has equipped and entrusted to lead our work around the globe. And it's this. They've asked us to send more workers. In fact, they've asked us to send a force of another 500 overseas workers over the next four years that we might be better positioned to engage the expanding lostness among the peoples and places of the earth. That's your leaders. That's the ones that you've sent. And they've said, we need these 500 workers. They're asking us. So I'm asking you to help us do just that. With cheerful and sacrificial giving. Let's see the heavenly vision fulfilled for God's glory together. Merry Christmas to you guys. And may God's blessing rest on each one of you. On Monument Heights Baptist Church, as you proclaim his great name among the nations, both near and far. Pastor Chris.
we could pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much just for your presence here with us this morning. Lord, we thank you for our partnership with you and with our missionaries that are around this world. Lord, thank you for the calling you have on each of our lives. Lord, we pray, thank you for these missionaries. We thank you for the sacrifices they make to go out and tell others about Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would just protect them, watch over them, and Lord, just help them to, to meet people who need you and who will respond to you. Lord, help us to support them as they go and make disciples. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to think of everybody we meet. Do they know you? Do they need you? Lord, give us the desire to see you known in this area and throughout the entire world. Lord, we thank you. A lot of times things around us look so hopeless, but just this reminder this morning of the power that you have, that we need not worry, we just need to trust. Lord, we need to not burden ourselves with the results, we just need to be obedient and just share the gospel with others. Lord, we just, just thank you for the work you're doing throughout this world. Sometimes we get so inwardly focused, Lord, we forget what's going on around us. Lord, I pray that during this season that we would accept this challenge to be a part of sending out these 500 more missionaries. Lord, help us to give sacrificially. Lord, I pray that you would just prepare hearts that are going to hear as a result of our giving. Lord, I pray that no matter what happens, that you would get all the glory and all the honor and all the credit for everything that happens. Lord, may we not just rush through this Christmas season and forget, forget the people that need you. It's so easy to go run from event to event and thing to thing. Lord, I pray that you would help us to pause and to reflect and just to continue partnering with others so that your name would be made known. And Lord, what a day it'll be when we're all circling the throne worshiping and praising you. Just pray all these things in Jesus' name.